show some solidarity uh, with the union. Yo, bro, you work for Amazon? You gonna vote for that union? There just won't be enough jobs to give all Americans a decent livable wage. I want my kids to grow up in a society where they don't have to struggle as hard as we do. That's what we need to fight for. I mean, our middle class is, you know, I don't want to say it's gone, but it erodes every single day. Do you think they're going to build any affordable housing here? Oh, hell no. I don't want to work any jobs, nights, weekends. I want a life. The trick in trickle-down economics is getting you to believe that anything which is good for rich people is good for everyone, and anything that is good for everyone else will kill the economy. A union agitator. If they're not going to take care of their employees, somebody has to. They don't invest in us. They don't show us the resources. It's just not sustainable. The, the system is going to collapse. We got to take care of ourselves. We can't rely on the government. And we damn sure can't rely on the 1% class. What the hell? This is union busting one-on-one. They're going to spend millions of dollars just to stop that. The voting wrapping up. Now employees are waiting on results. If successful, it could spark a labor movement across the country. Look at everyone out here suffering. What are you doing for us? Our job as Americans is to fight to save this country. We need bold actions, organizing. We can't allow ourselves to be divided. It's really time to rise and fight. I need all of y'all. Are you going to get in the streets and do something? You can handle the responsibility of being a leader. Say it with your chest. <laughs> in this hour, I am pleased to be joined by two men who've come together to create a compelling documentary that confronts one of the most pressing issues of our time, income inequality. We talk about it all the time around here. Uh, and to my mind, as I say often, you can't talk about poverty without talking about poverty, income inequality, and economic immobility. We had a rich conversation last week with now presidential candidate Cornel West uh, of the People's Party uh, when he came through to see us last week. And we spent some time, as you recall, talking about these issues. In this documentary called Americond, I love the title, Americond, the award-winning documentary um, shines a spotlight on a nation marked by radicalization and economic disparity, revealing the alarming effects of wealth redistribution with over, listen to this, $50 trillion transferred from the bottom 90% to the top 1% over the past four decades. The film also confronts the stagnant wages of American workers despite increased productivity uh, and I might add, uh, increased pay for CEOs of corporations. And, of course, the documentary exposes the risk of automation and AI technology threatening nearly half of all jobs by the mid-2030s. The documentary centers around Chris Smalls, now a Time 100 uh, recipient and founder and president of the Amazon Labor Union, a courageous leader who spearheads a movement to unionize Amazon workers, inspiring legions of individuals to rise up and to demand justice. I'm pleased to be joined now by uh, Chris Smalls and the film's director, Sean Claffey. Chris, how are you, sir? Good to have you on. I'm good, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Ooh, your phone line sounds horrible. That's a horrible, horrible phone line. we got to get that fixed. Um, Sean Claffey, how are you, sir? Good to have you on. Doing great. 
Thank you so much for having us. Here we go. The director's phone line. Maybe that's why he's the director. The director's phone line sounds good. Uh, and the, the subject's phone line, not so much. While we try to get this phone line together, um, uh, Sean, let me come to you as the director of the film. I wanted to start with Chris, but we'll start with you as director. Um, what about this story uh, uh, attracted you uh, to want to spend all the time you did uh, putting this brilliant documentary together? Why, why, why this story for you? Well, I think it's a couple of reasons. Uh, one, you know, uh, I come from an immigrant family that came here in the 1920s, uh, you know, the, the fleeing abject poverty in Ireland. Um, they came here, they were basically servants until the New, new Deal was uh, put through. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they, you know, labor protections were put in place. They were able to join unions and ascend in one generation into the middle class. Mm-hmm. And then in my lifetime, just watching it erode year after year after year, that you know the the middle class itself, but more importantly, the path to the middle class. You know, every hardworking American should be able to have a good life mm-hmm. because there is so much money here; it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And you know, we talk about you know not having enough. You know, if raising wages kills jobs which is absolutely ridiculous because if no one has any money, who's going to buy the stuff? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when, you know, it's starting to show the fraying of the society and, you know, the rise of the totalitarian wing. So it's really, uh, you know, it's a very important subject. And, you know, we spent the last four years making yeah, four years on a documentary is a long time, and uh, you, uh, it, it came out beautifully, so I'm glad you in, invested the time. Let me ask you one other quick question. We'll move forward here and get uh, Chris involved in this conversation as well. Um, you raised this notion of the middle class, and I, I frankly have had it with uh, with this, but I want to get your take on it as a director of a film about these kinds of issues. Um, you mentioned the erosion of the middle class, and you couldn't be more spot on in that regard, and yet politicians, almost every single one of them, uh, afraid to talk about poverty, afraid to talk about the poor, afraid to talk about income inequality, afraid to talk about, talk about economic immobility, but they insist on continuing to use that term, the American middle class, as if they don't understand what you said earlier, that that middle class is eroding. Why, to your mind, do you think politicians are still so stuck on using that phrase, the middle class, when you and I both know it ain't what it used to be? Yeah, well, you know, you know, there are many CEOs and billionaires that are putting hundreds of millions of dollars into these think tanks. Mm-hmm. And the think tanks are, you know, they're creating this propaganda. And, you, you know, you see it uh, as talking points from politicians. You see it, at, you know, on the television every night. And people believe it. And, or the lobbyists, you know, infiltrate the politicians Mm-hmm. And uh, that's you know, it's something that we have to combat, and you know, programs like yours do that well. Yep. Language matters, um, and uh, we were just talking uh, earlier on today's program uh, about not referring to this Supreme Court as just conservative, but more to the point, reactionary. That was brought to us by Randall Kennedy, 
Harvard Law professor in our conversation earlier today. They're not just conservative. We've had conservative courts before, but they are reactionary. So language matters. And I think we got to stop this nonsense of continuing to talk about the middle class as if it is what it once was. It's eroding every day. And we need more people bold enough to talk about poverty, income inequality and uh, income uh, or economic uh, mobility or the lack thereof. When we come forward, um, we'll be joined by Christian Smalls, who is the subject of this documentary, directed by Sean Claffey, whose voice you heard moments ago. The documentary is called Americond, and we'll talk more about it when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. In this hour, we continue our conversation now about this um, documentary, uh, brand new, called Americond. It is the story of Chris Smalls, an American labor organizer known for his role in leading Amazon worker uh, uh, worker organization in Staten Island, a borough, of course, in New York City. He's the president and founder of the Amazon Labor Union since 2021. Uh, uh, again, the, the, the documentary centers around his work and witness. It's uh, directed by Sean Claffey, and we're pleased to have both of them on in this hour. I think we got Chris Smalls now uh, sounding a little, bit, a little bit better. Chris, how are you today, sir? I'm good. I'm good. I'm sorry about that, but I'm good. Glad to be here. There you go. Glad to have you here. Now you sound much better. This conversation far too important for the audience not to hear it. So I'm glad uh, we got that oh, got yeah. that straight now, man. I'm glad to have you on. Um, first of all, congratulations on the Time 100 uh, honor. I, I got one of those some years ago. I know what that feels like to be selected as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. So congratulations to you. Hope you, had, you. did. You did you make the event? Did you go to the dinner? I went. I went last year, yeah. um, but this year I chose not to go. Um, instead, I was in Cuba this year, trying to help once again end the blockade against Cuba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you got you got work and witness to do now. But I'm glad you made it last year at least, so you can um, see what that feels like. It's it's quite a quite a good feeling to be in a room full of 99 other people who are doing um, uh, courageous. Uh, work and righteous work and heavy lifting to to make the world a better place to live and work. So congratulations on that honor. Uh, since you mentioned Cuba, you. Let, let me, since you mentioned I mentioned Cuba, let me ask you right quick. I've I've had the honor of going to Cuba a couple of times and uh, at one at one uh, one point interviewing Castro while he was still president uh, back in the day. Um, tell me about your trip to Cuba and what you were doing there. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah, I was representing the first U.S. delegation for labor. Um, we went down there as a delegation extension of hands off Cuba based out of LA and this delegation this delegation was full of you know young activists from all over the country mm-hmm. and we had the opportunity to work with the CDC the government and the unions down there to actually meet the president um and we actually had you know um that dialogue where we're going to try to work together and to once again end the blockade you know this embargo that's been in place for over 60 years so I'm happy to be uh, spearheading that, and and on the 25th of June, we're going to deliver a petition uh, to the White House when the when the UN is going to Congress this year. Mm-hmm. So we got a lot of great things going on for Cuba, trying to you know uplift that people in that country. Yep. In what ways does labor benefit um, if this blockade, after all these years, is eventually lifted? Well, this is a this is a worker led country. You know, um, mm-hmm. if you're talking about unions and and, and working class people. Uh, you know, Cuba is a prime example of that. You know, they're, they're resilient people. And even with this embargo in place, you know, just to go down there and experience the lifestyle uh, of being a worker that, that's given things in uh, an equal opportunity um, and, and sharing things and showing that, you know, community and bringing people together is always going to overcome, you know, whatever oppression we may face. Um, unionizing is a, a is a way of doing that, and and I think you know what I learned from that experience and that trip down there is that you know we have to 
you know, we have to work together. You know, unions up here in the country have to take a stance. And I think we'll move labor as a movement forward if we're able to uplift this blockade. Mm. Um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm happy to hear your involvement in that, uh, and uh, I know it had to be a, a pretty cool trip to, to to go to Cuba and to to advance those issues on behalf of uh, on behalf of labor. Uh, let me go let me go back before we come forward. Um, your story is quite amazing, and people when they see the documentary uh, film American will understand more of it and come to appreciate you more, your sacrifice more, and frankly, I think to love you more, given all that you are doing. Uh, on the labor front. Uh, but for those who have uh, obviously not as yet seen the documentary, for those who have heard about you but don't really know what you were up against, just take a few minutes here. Again, they'll get more of it when they see the documentary. But tell me what you were up against at Amazon and what specifically occasioned your uh, your journey to becoming a labor organizer at Amazon. Just tell the story of what was going on. Yeah, you know, uh, the film absolutely touches on on like the beginning, uh, even before the union existed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for me being a worker at Amazon since 2015, uh, being a, a model employee for them, um, you know, I just felt like when the pandemic hit, uh, I didn't have that voice anymore to, to really protect anybody and not even myself. And that was disheartening after, you know, giving my blood, sweat and tears to this company for five years, opening up three buildings for them mm-hmm. and, and, training thousands of their employees. So when the pandemic hit, uh, you know, life or death situation, we talk about New York City being the epicenter of the world. Um, I'm thinking this trillion-dollar company with all the money, power, and resources is going to do the right thing and protect us. But I found out quickly um, that, that that wasn't the case. You know, they were going to put profits over people even during the pandemic. And, and me as a supervisor, I just felt that, you know, I had to speak up on behalf of all the people who, who I spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week with, who I consider my extended family. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, to speak up and for the company to retaliate by firing me, you know, it, it pretty much, you know, changed my life forever. I had to make a decision three years ago, and I chose that I was going to continue to fight and stand up and, and advocate for workers' rights. And, it, you know, one thing led to another, and, you know, here I am today you know, as the first union president uh, in American history. Yeah. Um, what kinds of things were you seeing as a supervisor, uh, Chris, that um, troubled you so to the point that you put yourself on the line, uh, spoke up for them, as you mentioned earlier, got fired by Amazon. The rest, as they say, is history. Now you're the star of a documentary called American. But as a supervisor at Amazon, uh, what were you seeing with regard to the way they were treating or maltreating workers that most got under your skin? Well, it was absolutely the pandemic for sure. You know, I was already mentally checked out with the company uh, just from uh, me being a black man and not being able to move up after, you know, several years as a supervisor. Mm-hmm. I should have been a salary manager years ago. I applied to be a manager several times. So the systemic racism was just one thing, you know, that you, you don't experience unless you have longevity there. And, um, the pandemic was the icing on the cake, you know, seeing workers come in with different symptoms, um, you know, people not coming at all because they were afraid. And then when I was told by upper management not to tell the rest of the workers in the facility that people were coming to, to, to the warehouse positive, you know, I couldn't stand with that. That was that was immoral for me and inhumane. So I took a stance that led to my, you know, the walkout and my termination, but if I had the opportunity to do it again, I absolutely would because I felt like that's the right thing to do. Yep. 
Um, you used a phrase a moment ago that really jumped out at me and jumped at, jumped out at this audience, I'm certain, as a black man, as a black man at Amazon. When we think of Amazon uh, and this union fight, we think of them, you know, not wanting their employees to unionize. Uh, we think of uh, corporate greed, um, but we don't necessarily think of Amazon in the frame that you just created for us, um, working there as a black man. So tell me a bit more about working at Amazon as a black man since you went there. Well, the numbers don't lie. You know, uh, Amazon upper management, you know, it's, it's 70 percent uh, is white or Asian. You know, 30 percent upper management is, bra- is black or brown. It's not enough. It's not enough, enough diversity. Even when you go up to the uh, the S team, the, the VPs right underneath the CEO, mm-hmm. you know, for the first time in their 28 years of existence, uh, 29 now, but they just put the black woman on, on the S team in the, in the 28 years. You know, that happened after I was fired. Mm-hmm. And all of the racist remarks that came out calling me not smart or articulate. And, and these things, they only done so that they can show that there's representation, but it's really not. It doesn't trickle down to the warehouse, which majority of the workforce is black and brown. Alabama, for example, that building's 85% black and brown, 80% black women. And they just fired Jennifer Bates, the, the lead organizer who's actually in the film. They just fired her a few days ago. Mm. So they have no respect for black and brown people. They set up shop in our communities, and they reap the back off of our labor, and they don't give back in, into the communities that we come from. So us fighting back and unionizing, this, this pandemic has sparked all of that. And, and our representation is absolutely important. Yep. You know, our union representation as black and brown workers and, and the labor movement as a whole uh, it has to be black and brown led. Yeah. Uh, in the end, um, you won because there is an Amazon labor union of which you are not the president, um, starting out in Staten Island where you, where you began this fight. But as a black man, uh, back to your phrase, how did you process, uh, all of the, the vitriol and the ad hominem attacks leveled at you as a black man, not being smart, not being articulate. How, how did you process that being, being hit that way by Amazon leadership with that kind of, dismissiveness well once again the, the the most important advantage that we got over amazon is that amazon doesn't know people yeah they didn't know who i was they didn't know what i meant to the company they didn't know how valuable i was you know they didn't they didn't know any of that i opened up three warehouses for this company i trained thousands of their employees i trained hundreds of their upper management so much of their upper management to the fact that the day I was fired by the manager that fired me, I trained him. <laughs> and then I watched as I watched as our campaign, when we were victorious, he got promoted to assistant general manager. But guess what? He's no longer there after our union victory. So I watched all of that happen, and this is by people that I've trained. So they didn't know who I was and how valuable I was to, to the company and what my relationship was to people, especially the people in the community that I come from. New York and New Jersey, uh, grew up here. So people know me just from that popularity alone. Yeah. And and when I was trying to organize, I was just playing for a different team, you know, the people. And this is what it's going to take. It's going to take the people versus Amazon. The film, the documentary film is called Americond, a film about income inequality in the U.S. and the tragic destabilizing effects to Americans. Uh, the film centers around the work and witness of Chris Smalls, American labor organizer, 
known for his role in leading Amazon uh, workers uh, in that uh, that walkout, as it were, and uh, that victory at, and, uh, in Staten Island. Uh, he's the president now of the Amazon Labor Union since 2021. The director of that film is Sean Claffey. More with them when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. Chris Smalls, who is the president and founder of the Amazon Labor Union and uh, the director of the uh, documentary Americond, Sean Claffey. Uh, pleased to have them both on in this hour. Sean, let me come to you before I get back to Chris Smalls and talk more uh, uh, specifics uh, about uh, the state of labor in this country and the fact that despite an increase in productivity, compensation for the American worker has been stagnant. We'll talk to Chris about that in a moment. Uh, but let me just pivot um, uh, somewhat here for a second and ask you to tell me about the filmmaking process. You mentioned earlier it took you guys four years uh, to sort of film this. Uh, this station is heard across the nation, but we're flagshipped in L.A., so there are all kinds of folk who are in the filmmaking business who listen every day. I'm a document. I love documentaries. I've done a few of them in my career, but I just love watching documentaries. Tell me a bit, Sean, about the process of making this documentary Americond. Yeah, so basically we, you know, we, we thought that this is, you know, very uh, – compelling uh subjects we can see it in the news uh when we started it we would tell people about income inequality and 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 they would come and they would some have questions but now it's just since since the pandemic everyone's kind of woken up to the fact that um you know we're all at risk even if you're in the middle class upper middle class you're you know it's it's not stable anymore mm-hmm. right um, and basically we set out and we, we shot in thir- in, uh, 23 States, we drove 32,000 miles mm. and we met people all over the country who are suffering. You know, they're working two, three jobs and every, you know, every day they're not making it. And, um, you know, we, we got to meet Chris early on and, you know, followed his story, went down to Bessemer with him. And, you know, watch that develop and, you know, watch this amazing, uh, you know, organization happen in front of us. At what, at what, um, at what point, at, at what point in Chris's story did you start filming? So it was the summer uh, right after his walkout. Okay. Pretty, pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. I, that's what, uh, yeah. yeah. And, and then followed him. Right, you know, we had a uh, finished edit, um, which showed hope, you know, and then they won, and then we re-edited the whole movie again. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you're, you if, know. Yeah, if, you're, if, you're subject, if you're subject is in a fight, and your subject wins the fight, yeah, you got to re-edit the end. you got to re-edit that thing, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we met so many people everywhere across this country that they're suffering, and they don't know really why. Yeah. Right? It's not reported on that yeah. this is organized. You know, it's not by chance that this has happened. Yeah. You know, back in the, in the 1970s, 1968, they actually came up with a plan on how to, you know, take out the unions, get control of the, the courts, you know, through the federal society in the 1980. Um, this is all planned. Yeah. And it was like, you know, slowly over time, and now it's like, it's so obvious yeah. that there's something so very wrong. 
So let, let, so let me let me let me ask Chris this question a, a big broad question Chris Chris and then we'll I got got, got some more specificity I want to get to um, but what's your take here we are in 2023 uh, what is your take on the state of the labor movement in America writ large there are many who believe that labor is on life support in this country what's 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 your take on the labor movement right now in America Oof. Well, I mean, I'm still a rookie. I, I consider myself to be a rookie because, you know, three years ago I wasn't the organizer mm-hmm. for, you know, any union. And, um, you know, I learned a lot in my last three years for sure. But um, I'm going to be honest, you know, we got to do better. Yeah. You know, especially the labor movement in this country, we got to do a lot better than, than what we've done in the last 60 years. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. The numbers don't lie. You know, Amazon spent $14.2 million on, on union busting on my campaign alone last year. Mm. And established unions, we're talking about all the powerful ones that everybody loves, the Teamsters, the AFLs, the the SEIUs, you know, all the all the unions that everybody know well that's been around for years, you know, they only contributed 3% of their resources uh, to new labor. And that's Amazon workers and Starbucks workers, you know, so they have to do better. And it's a shame that we have to continue having these conversations. And I know it makes people uncomfortable, but uh, this is what we have to do. We got to hold unions accountable and we got to push unions to be in spaces where they haven't been. This is why I think our victory has resonated with a lot of people. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm wondering, um, Chris, whether or not you think that labor is my phrase, not yours, whether labor may be in some ways um, scared of its own shadow. And I, I put it that way because Amazon is, is quite a behemoth. Um, you know, you can talk, yeah. you can talk Amazon, you can talk Walmart, you can talk Starbucks, you can talk a bunch of them. These are major, major international companies and I'm wondering if labor feels, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know that old adage. You got to pick your fights, right? You got to pick the pick your fights, pick the hill on which you right. w- pick the hill on which you're willing to die. I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to demean labor. I'm just asking whether or not it is your uh, point of view um, that perhaps there are some of these fights that labor is just afraid to have because again they're up against such a such a huge uh, corporation, international corporation, to try to win these fights. I mean. People have been talking about organizing at Amazon for years until before you showed up, uh, and other companies. And I'm, I'm just wondering whether or not you think that labor may be, in some ways, scared of its own shadow, so to speak. Well, it's not even you know the numbers in the last year hasn't shown that you know it shows that most American people support unions, right? And the strikes the strikes have been happening in different sectors and different industries. We've been seeing them. Mm-hmm. The problem is. It's the it's the system that where that that most unions are still a part of, which is the Democratic Party. Mm. You know, a lot of these unions are going to these politicians, as you mentioned. You know, politicians that are getting office, and and they don't uh, remember where they came from. Mm. And we have a president that says he's the most pro-union president in American history, but then he used the Railroad Strike Act from 1945, and we're in 2023. So something's not right. The laws are outdated in this country. We don't have a labor party like most other countries around the world. And this is the reason why uh, we've seen a decline in unionization in the last uh, six decades. So we're trying to reverse all of that. Uh, and, and this is a slow revolution. 
but it is one, and we just got to make sure that, once again, uh, the way we uh, get to different spaces with new school organizing, uh, we have to support that, and, and these established unions have to get behind us. When we come forward, I want to talk about what new school organizing looks like. If anybody knows, Chris Smalls ought to know. He's the young man, the young brother who uh, led Amazon workers um, in their fight uh, on Staten Island. Uh, now the president and founder of the uh, Amazon Labor Union since 2021. They said it couldn't happen. Uh, and uh, Chris Smalls and uh, his cohort said, not so fast. Uh, and uh, now they're saying, how you like us now, right? They, they made it happen. Um, but I thought I heard, and I'm sure you heard it as well, uh, a pretty damning indictment of the Democratic Party. Uh, and it's uh, to titular head, the president of these United States, for not being as bold as they ought to be in this moment uh, about uh, the labor movement. We'll talk about that. Again, we'll talk about new school organizing as Chris Smalls sees it when we come forward with Chris Smalls and Sean Claffey and uh, their documentary Americond on KBLA Talk 1580. So, Chris Smalls, tell me more about your, your, your viewpoint that it's politicians on both sides of the aisle who've created this sort of protection racket, if you will, for the rich, allowing corporations to deliberately crush these unions. Tell me more. Well, I mean... You know, last year I was invited to the White House to meet Joe Biden, mm-hmm. and um, the same day, <laughs> the same day he gives Jeff Bezos ten billion dollars to fly to space. <laughs> you know, it's kind of tone deaf. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> and once again, um, you know, I've been invited to uh, Congress to speak to the Senate on behalf of Bernie Sanders, and who invited me up, and I, I got to address Lindsey Graham, and I told him, you know. Uh, as he tried to make a plea for, you know, corporations that have rights, you know, I had to remind him that, you know, the workers at the bottom, the entry-level workers, no matter if they're left or right, we're the ones who make these corporations operate. Mm-hmm. So without our well-being, you know, you don't have a corporation. And that's what we got to remind ourselves as working-class people is that Jeff Bezos is not coming to the warehouse and packing a box. You know, that's us and that's our labor. And, and, and you know our fight, you know has to it has to match up in in, in um with the, the legislative part. You know the legal the legal battles in this country with the NLRB process is so outdated that these corporations use that to their advantage, and it shouldn't be that way in the twenty first yeah. century. Yeah, when you say when you say new school organizing, um, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, once again, you know our campaign is different. You know me me as a black a black president for a union. That's a minority. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're a minority in the labor movement. Most of the presidents in this country are white men, are white women. And it's, it hasn't changed in a while. And, and on top of that, the way we're organizing is completely different. It's non-traditional. It's outspoken. It's out, you know, out in the open. Uh, we're using tools like social media to our advantage. Mm-hmm. We're doing things that are just non-traditional. The way we want our campaign was so unprecedented, you know, they're still trying to figure it out. <laughs> and 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 that's what that's what it's gonna take to take on corporations like Amazon and like uh Whole Foods or Walmarts or whatever, whatever industry you're trying to organize, it's gonna take a different style of organizing where they haven't dealt with a culture that we created last year with the Amazon Labor Union 
that has now resonated with millions of people across the world. I love it. When we come forward in our remaining moments with Chris Smalls and Sean Claffey, the director of this documentary, Americond, I uh, want to get uh, Chris and Sean's take on uh, the fact that uh, as worker incre- worker productivity, that is, in this country has increased dramatically in recent decades, compensation for those workers has been stagnant, even as we have seen the salaries of CEOs of these American corporations fly through the roof. We'll talk about that in our remaining moments with Christian and Sean when we come forward on KBLA Talk 1580. I was just, I was just uh, sharing with Miles Lowe, my board op, um, that uh, – Chris Smalls was almost a rapper, um, almost had a career in that in that in that field. Uh, he actually toured briefly with Meek Mill, uh, but uh, and he still may be a rapper somewhere down the road. Who knows? But I'm glad he found his true calling, uh, and that is to be a voice um, for the voiceless and to advance the notion uh, of what it means to have a uh, a stalwart labor movement in this country. And so I, I celebrate. Uh, the the work and witness of, of Chris Smalls, who I'll give the final word to in just a moment after I go to Sean Claffey first, because Sean is the director of this documentary, Americond. Uh, Sean, let me ask you right quick, and then we'll close with Chris. As I said, uh, your take on the fact that uh, that while CE, while, while uh, American CEO salaries are just going through uh, going through the roof, have been for decades now, despite an increase in productivity, the compensation for American workers has remained stagnant. Your thoughts? right quick yeah so so basically uh and in rural areas the salaries have dropped in half yep right so they've been absolutely decimated agriculture has been decimated uh manufacturing in rural areas have been decimated um we've never seen profits like we're seeing now um and it's just devastation mm-hmm. right and the whole middle is being destroyed the you know working class is um is you know, sliding into poverty. Uh, and you have to realize 70% of all uh, people that get a government assistance work full-time, right? 70%. So, you know, who's, who's, where, where's the socialism going? We're, we're supporting these multinational companies who are paying their workers not enough to live. Yeah. And we're, 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 we're paying, you know, we're supporting them um, and they have so much money, and they yeah. do these cash buybacks. And what we're and what we're gonna, we're seeing with AI and robotics is the white collar jobs are going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the NAFTA for the what you know lawyers, accountants, yeah. doctors, even. Uh, you know, we have to make it fair, or. It just it'll just collapse. Nope, I hear you. It, that's what we're facing. We're facing a collapse. Uh, this is not sustainable. I've got uh, about ninety seconds left, Chris. I'll give you the last word. Your thoughts? Yeah. Well, this is a time that we haven't appointed no return. You know, my journey is uh, still uh, to be determined, and I know uh, we got to see the bigger picture. It may be hard for folks, but I encourage everybody to get involved and organize. You know, that's the only way we're going to save ourselves there's no cavalry coming for us we got to do it and the people you know the power to people amen to that power to the people the documentary film is called americond uh, a film once again about income inequality in this country and the tragic uh, destabilizing effects that so many fellow citizens are enduring uh, because of the disrespect of, uh, accorded, afforded to uh, the labor movement in this country as we know it. Um, Chris Smalls is an American labor organizer uh, and uh, is the president and founder of the Amazon Labor Union since 2021. 
Chris, congratulations on all the work and witness that you are engaged in. Good to have you on this program, sir. All the best to you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank good, you. Man, good to have thank had you on. And uh, Sean Claffey, thank you as well for uh, directing this powerful documentary, Americon. A delight to have talked to you as well. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you so much. And it's available tomorrow uh, in North America, streaming at all different uh, streaming sites. Just about to say that. I'm glad you I'm glad you beat me to it. It's available everywhere uh, tomorrow on all sorts of the stream, all kinds of most of the streaming platforms. Again, it's called Americond. Be sure to check it out. You will not be disappointed.